We're going to get started in a moment, so get your Bibles out and turn to Proverbs 18.16. Just think of the year 18.16, which means nothing. 18.16. Proverbs 18.16, if you want to look that up ahead of time. My name is Dave Householder. Blessed to be your Bible teacher. Very excited about this passage. We are in a new sermon series for Christmas, Advent, and Christmas, and it's right there on the screen. Let's read it out loud together. One, two, three. Jesus, the only present you need. So today we're going to talk about giving. Next week we're going to talk about receiving. Then we're going to talk about the present, and we're going to talk about presents on Christmas Adam. So come to all four of those, and that way you can keep your Christmas season from getting crazy. I think it's so important to gather in the Lord's house. Here is a picture with a person with too much stuff. And here in Southern California, no matter how much money we have, most of us have too much stuff, especially as we get older and especially if we never move. Who thinks moving is a good way to clean things out? Is this, who's been in your house like us more than 15 years? Uh, stuff starts to pile up and uh, in the nooks and crannies. We call some of it kipple. Kipple is the stuff that ends up in the corners of your drawers like little paper clips and things like that, and it multiplies in the dark when you're not looking. You know, it just gets bigger and bigger, bigger. Garages, all that stuff. This is a woman, and it could as well just been a man with on the picture here with too much stuff. And the Dutch have a great, I'm going to teach you a Dutch word today. My wife is Dutch. And the Dutch word is heberich. you got to say h at the end. Okay, one, two, three, heberich. There's the word. It's kind of grabby, over-collecting, wanting stuff. Yeah. Grabby, having, wanting, holding, almost hoarding, but not quite as bad as hoarding, but just kind of wanting stuff, wanting more and more stuff. And people are out buying all this stuff. Every store I've been into the last few weeks, there's people just going around with carts with all kinds of stuff in it. And I'm just thinking, <sighs> during the prayer, I was supposed to be praying, but I was listening to the ladies in the kitchen. And the ladies in the kitchen were saying, yeah, I'm wearing this. I wouldn't have picked it. I, I wouldn't have picked this shirt, but my, you know, my, my daughter gave it to me. And I would, if I saw it on the rack, I would just ignore it. But I suppose I should wear it. And that's how it is with a lot of the stuff that we get and a lot of stuff we give. There's a sense of obligation. And we get this sort of habby, uh, hebrew, grabby, over-collecting sort of mindset. For me, it's watches and tools. Um, it, seriously, I, I, I would love to have like four different kinds of channel locks and uh, vice grips and everything else. And, and I'm always looking at those things, and I want to have more than I actually need. And for me, it's watches. Now, I don't know how they know this, but every time I open my computer, there's an advertisement for a watch. How could that, how, how could that be? I did read my mind. I, I, my wife gave me this, this watch for my birthday. This is a solar-powered watch, and it, it's so nice, but now I feel guilty about not wearing the other watches. And so you get, you get all of this box full of watches, and you go through it. It's, that's, is that a sin, Craig? You and I both have that whole thing. So Exactly. So watches, tools, whatever it is, a lot of us are hebrich, and some of us are hebrich to a really high degree, and some of us to a really low degree. So... We're going to talk about giving this week, receiving next week, present the following week, and then presents on Christmas, Adam. And here's our Bible passage, Proverbs 18, verse 16. Let's read this out loud together. Giving a gift can open doors. It gives access to important people. Now, we talked last week or the week before, I can't remember, about how Hebrew poetry in Proverbs and in the Psalms is like two railroad tracks. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
and his mercy endures forever. If you go to Holland and you go to a super conservative church out in the country, they have the men and the women sitting on different sides of the church. Now, I've gone to one of those churches before, and they sing the psalms back and forth to each other. And it sounds really cool, actually. It's a, you get the men's voices on one side and the women's voices on the other, and they sing back and forth. There's that sort of dual nature. This is one of those verses with two tracks. And the first track is giving a gift can open doors. The second one gives access to important people. But we're going to go a lot deeper on this, and we're going to look at the passage. This church is called The Well, and the deeper the well, the purer the water. So we want to go deep into the original languages and what these things really mean, because translating from Hebrew is very much an art and not a science. The word in the first track here is Rachav, and that's the word at the bottom right. Rachav goes from right to left, Rachav. And it has to do with broadening, widening, opening. Now, take your hands. I can watch you, so you got to do this, unless you got a drink in your hand or something. Set it down. But go like this, like you're holding something, you're being Hebrew. And then go like this and just sort of open up. Those are two very different. Some of you are slapping each other. John and Tamara cut it out over there, just goofing around. It's two different ways of being in the world, of being Hebrew, grabbing stuff, holding stuff, owning stuff, and on the other hand, being open. Giving broadens our heart. It expands our world. It opens up what we see. If we're hoarding, we are keeping, and we're kind of inwards curved. If we're generating stuff, if we're giving, we're more open. Generous comes from the same word as generate. The richest person I know, Robert Kern, he just turned 94, I think, back in Wisconsin. I've done a little bit of work for their foundation. And he has nine, no, excuse me, $700 million that he's trying to give away in a reasonable way. And he gives to three things, training pastors, training engineers, and school choice. So he wants every kid to have choice in school, not just people who have enough money for private schools. So those are his three things. He gives to nothing else. And he built a fortune on building generators, a company called Generac. Most any gas generator that generates electricity in America or in the world, he had a majority of the market share, it was sold under all kinds of brand names. You can see Generac, Wisconsin. And Generac was his company. He built all these things, and he sold the company a while back, but the company still has 40,000 people in Wisconsin building generators. And it's interesting that he's a generator of income for people, of electricity for people, of all kinds of things, and he's a real committed Christian. He's a really neat guy, and he likes to be around people who generate things. Generators like to be around generators. Makers like to be around makers. Takers like to be around takers. And how we come across to people, people can tell in two seconds. A generator can tell in two seconds whether or not whether you're a generator, a maker, or a taker. 
And the truth is, they want to be around more generators because then there's sort of a synergy when they get together and they can come up with all kinds of ideas and all kinds of things can happen. If you're interviewing for a job and your main thought is, I hope I get this job, which is kind of heberif, as opposed to what can I generate for this company, who thinks the interviewer can tell the difference? Because they want makers, not takers. They want people who can generate wealth, generate income, generate good feeling in the corporation, be low maintenance, and get things going. So if you're a generator, you're going to end up before great people. We're going to talk about that. That's the second part of the verse. But the first part of the verse is giving broadens our vistas. The Hebrew says literally opens us up. We go from this to this. It opens us up. Generous does that. You all know four or five super generous people in your lives. When you see them coming, do you turn around? No, you want to be with them because they they generate things. They get things going. They make things happen. And the more people you can hire like that, the better your company's going to do. We've got people here. We've got a tiny staff. I think all of us, including me together, barely makes like a like a one whole job. But all the people here on staff generate things. And they generate ministry and they get stuff going. And that's what it needs to be about. So that's the first track. The second track of the deep well has to do with who it brings us in front of. It says here, well, lepne gedolim. And, second track, in front of the faces of the great. Generosity brings you face to face, not just email, not just a phone call, not just a text message, brings you into the presence of great people. Because those people generate. The people on top, you can get to the top two ways. One way is just by stealing and stuff, and that's very short term. It doesn't get you very far. It's short term. If you want to be prosperous long term, you generate. You get things going. And you can stay there for a long time. And if you're a generator, people want generators to be with them, even if you're a small time generator. They want you on their team. They want you on your on their staff. They want to be to have you be a part of what they are doing. It brings you onto the power team. It just does. There's a there's a, a big gathering on Tuesday at uh, Segerstrom, and it's the financial economic forecast, which they've done 42 years in a row. It costs $885 to get a ticket. It's an hour and a half long. Who thinks there's going to be a lot of generators there? And they tell people what the economic forecast is looking like and how they can, how they can adapt to it and make stuff work. If you go to a board... If you sit on a board, if you get asked to be on a board, do it, especially for a nonprofit. If you sit on the board of a nonprofit, and I've sat on a few, it's amazing what the big donors who sit on those boards can do. And it's not just give money to the organization. They give sort of a mentality to the organization. And they, they help the nonprofit to act more businesslike and also to generate more activity. So if you get a chance to sit on a nonprofit board for a charity, it's amazing 
what great people you'll find on that board. And if you go to any public concert hall or anything that was put up by the public, what do you see? You see a bunch of bricks with what? People's names on it. Donors, you know, Century Club, this club, and that kind of stuff. People want to get on that because they want to be around other people who give things. So basically, there's two things to this verse. What's the first one? Giving opens us up, broadens our, our lives. It expands our world. She, she got the right answer. She's sitting in the front. Very excited about that. It opens us up, and it brings us face-to-face with the important people. If you're a generator, you're going to find yourself in front of people. Stan, you work with people with money a lot, and you can tell right away whether or not they're expansive people or whether they're just trying to grab as much as they can and coast out. We're here to generate. What's the first commandment in the Bible? Be fruitful and multiply. And it's not just having kids. Be fruitful and multiply means to generate and multiply like God does. You give God one kernel of corn, put it in the ground, and what comes up? Hundreds and hundreds of kernels of corn. That's how God operates. He multiplies. And we're here to multiply, to generate, to get things going. And the great thing about doing what I do is if I teach you a Bible verse like this, it's like putting a seed of corn into your into your spirit. And then that just sits there for the rest of your life, and it can generate all kinds of stuff. So those are the two things that uh, have to do with this verse. Here are some benefits that go with uh, giving. Good breathing requires deep exhaling. You're about to take the biggest breath you've taken today, but don't take it yet. Everybody exhale all the air out of your lungs right now, right? Push it all out. All of it. All of it. All of it. Now breathe in. That's the biggest breath you've taken today. Why? Because you exhaled. And gener- generosity is giving is, is exhaling so that we can inhale. If you're a sponge and you're saturated with water and you see some water over there and you'd like to get that water into your sponge, is it going to come? You have to squeeze it out to be able to bring some in. If you want to get better at breathing, it's all about exhaling. Inhaling will happen all by itself. So if we want more blessing in life, the irony, the trick, the counterintuitive kingdom thing is that it's not hoarding that gets us there. It's generating, adding value. Whether or not you have a paid job, your job today and tomorrow is to add value to God's creation. Take something here and bring it here. If your house is messy, make it cleaner. It might be as small as make your bed. My wife points that out to me, my half of the bed. We have separate bedding on our bed because we have different levels of responsibility for making the bed. And she likes to have hers without a single wrinkle. And uh, I... It might be as simple as making your bed. That's that's adding value. Start there and move up. Clean out closets and bring it down to the thrift shop today. I brought home a new blazer from a thrift shop, and I realized that I've got too many blazers this morning. And I need to bring some. Take it away so I can squeeze the sponge out so I can get something else. So 40%, this is real interesting. Experts tell us 
that for most Americans, that's most of us here, getting rid of 40% of our stuff will raise our standard of living, not lower it. 40, most of us have 40% stuff that is getting in the way of our lifestyle. I mean, people from other countries look at us like, what, you guys nuts? All of this stuff? And we, in California, there's no garage to put it in. No basement. No, you know, we've got no storage, really. And so we, we want to just kind of hoard all this stuff. So get rid of 40% and you will be more prosperous, which is just a law of nature. Number two. One of the biggest complaints I get as a pastor, when people come to me about people's lives, they say, Pastor, I'm praying, and I just don't feel close to God anymore. Well, one of the ways to feel close to God is to line up with God's personality. And God's personality is one of giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. You give him a kernel of corn, and he gives you enough corn for the whole family and more. That's how he works. And it's amazing how generous people have an easier time feeling close to God because they're generating things like God does. God is a creator, and we're the only species that creates. You know, Maybe bees making hives, but it's really the same old hive every time with the same hexagon and the same beaver dam. And there's no species like us that can create. He gave us these uh, these things for the Christmas season up here, these banners. That's creating something that's never been created quite like it before. That's generating value, adding value to the room. It doesn't have to be a big thing like starting a generator company that hires 40,000 people. It can start really small. But every situation we go into, my mother used to say, leave things better than the way you found them, which is a sneaky way of saying add value. Add value. Don't be a taker. Be a maker. Make stuff happen. And then you'll start to line up with God's spirit. And guess who you'll feel close to? Feel close to God. It's easy to feel far from God if we're getting all Hebraic and we're kind of closed in on ourselves. In fact, Martin Luther 500 years ago was asked, how do you define sin? He said, being turned in on yourself. Being turned in on yourself which means we're closing God off and we're closing off other people and we're not generating, we're just taking. We want to be people who, when you cross someone's path, Wendy was talking about this, it may not be money, for are going to sake, it could be a lot of things. When you cross someone's path, you have a chance to raise where their heart's at. Every cashier you see, every waiter you see, every waitress you see, every person you run across, you have a chance to raise their value. I saw, where's, where's Joan here? Joan's over there and Suzanne. Both walked in at the same time. Now, I'm, I might be a little biased, but I think they've got the best two smiles in the church. Uh, some of you got some real good smiles, too. Deanna, you got a great smile. Some others. But they came walking up with their high beams on, which is their, their, their smiles. Who thinks people like it when those two people smile at them? It can change the whole direction of their day. Instead of seeing what we can get from people during the day, what we can give to every person we cross paths with. Ask someone how they're doing and actually stop and listen. And pay attention to what it might be like to be in their shoes and raise their value. So giving is a solution to the God feels distant problem. 
Third thing can be painless. It may not be digging deep into what you really need to get by, just giving stuff away to a thrift store. Or calling Jewel, Jewel right here, Jewel will sell your stuff. And she will give you more money than you think you can get for your stuff. And that stuff, that can be used to generate other things because it's just sitting there doing nothing in your house. If it's collecting dust, it needs to go. So there's ways of doing that. There's ways of giving painlessly and actually benefiting from it. Thrift donations, decluttering. Wendy went through her Christmas decorations and donated a whole bunch of them. And we've got a nice little level of Christmas stuff now. It's not just like overwhelming our little house. This was uh, Sebastian's insight from the prayer meeting. Giving creates abundance in your life. And what Sebastian said is, this works no matter what your theology is, no matter what your philosophy is. If Mormons are generous, it blesses them. If Hindus are generous, it blesses them. Generosity is like gravity. You don't have to have exactly the right theology for it to work. God set it up so that messed up people who are confused about everything, when they give, they'll still be blessed. Giving works no matter what. And you don't have to have a perfect relationship with God for giving to work. It works all the time. I've known people who don't know the Lord at all but are generous. And guess what? They keep getting blessed. It happens to all of us when we, we give, no matter what our theology or philosophy is. You've all seen parodies of preachers up front saying, you should give till it hurts. Why not give until there's joy? Pay it forward, yeah. Giving it forward. And, and yeah, oh, I absolutely. We, every time we, we generate something, we cross someone's path, we pay it forward. Absolutely. You don't have to pay people back. Pay it forward. So you look at this point. Not give till it hurts. Give until you start feeling some joy. The most generous people I know have great joy in giving. It makes them feel really good. And it just warms us up on the inside. It's like it's like hot spiced Christmas tea. You just give and there it is. You just feel really good. And generous people feel good a lot. Do you know what a wonderful antidote that is to depression? A lot of psychologists will say the first thing you should do if you're dealing with real depression along with getting good help is getting out and doing things for other people. You need to do a whole bunch of things to get out of depression. That's not the only thing, but that's one of the many things that help. So think about that. Give until you feel joy, not until it hurts. Because giving is a joy. Here's some ways that giving can go wrong. There's five of them that I can think of. There's probably more. Don't go into debt for Christmas presents. Oh, I'll pay it off in January. I'll pay it off in February. Oh, maybe March. And it starts to slip. Debt is a trap. Debt kills generosity. The bigger debt we have, the harder we feel trapped and we feel like we can't be generous because we've got this credit card balance and these car payments and this, and the mortgage and all this stuff is so big we can't give. One of the other questions I get, I get a lot of funny questions. My top question, I went to seminary for this, is do dogs go to heaven? That's number one. You know, it goes down from there. But your dogs do. 
That's awesome. But debt, the other one I get is, Pastor, I'm really in debt. Should I still give? Should I still give? Because I'm in debt. And I understand your pain. It's hard to give when you're in debt. So the key is to get out of and avoid it. It's so it's so easy to get in debt. And those of you who get behind on your credit card payments, you will get so many applications for credit cards because they know they're going to make money off of you. Get out of debt as fast as you possibly can. Have a plan. You've heard about the debt snowball? Pay off one small debt, then pay off the next one, and it starts to, to snowball. Next thing you know, you can get out of debt. Go after that one little debt, then go after another one. Because debt can kill generosity. My advice, which is not in the Bible, but get out of debt, save a little, and give a little to do all three. Because otherwise, you'll never really get the blessings of giving, and you'll never build up an emergency fund. And that's what puts you in debt. I can't afford these tires, so I got to, you know, got to charge it. Do all three. Give a little, save a little, and get out of debt as fast as you can. Now, there's such a thing as good debt. If you're using debt to get a business going or to buy property that's rental property, that's different. That's a whole other thing. Want to do that? Talk to Lou. He knows all about that. But I'm talking about bad debt. I'm talking about credit card debt and those kind of things. Number two, don't create dependence. Linda in our prayer meeting this morning had a great saying about she asks the Holy Spirit every time a beggar asks her for money. Holy Spirit, should I give to this person or shouldn't I? Rather than just following a rule. Sometimes she does, sometimes she doesn't. Who thinks the Lord knows whether we should or we shouldn't? The truth is some gifts can create dependence, can actually hurt the person. And if we're to love our neighbor like we love ourselves, there are times when giving to another person hurts them. When we were in Ethiopia on a mission trip, I was there with an Ethiopian pastor. We're walking around Addis Ababa, which looks like a Mad Max village. Seriously, it's just, it's, you would not believe it if I showed it to you. And beggars just come running. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I've got some money here. And the pastor next to us, don't you dare. Don't you dare do that because you're going to reward them for a life of poverty and begging. Don't do it. And I was kind of mad at him. Well, look at these people. You know, no, no, don't. Well, what if somebody really needs it? Well, the Holy Spirit will show you if somebody really needs it. But who thinks there's an industry of begging here, which is they've got it all figured out who's going to be where, and they, yeah, they're probably a good management running who's, you know, certain spots. And you have to be really careful about that. Whenever I see a young man begging, and you always see it outside of 7-Eleven or something, it's an opportunity for a talk, and I have a, I have a sort of canned speech. What's your plan? What's your plan? Do you want to just get better at this? I mean, what, what's your plan here? What's your plan? What to, can I help you? Can we pray together? Can, where do you want to be in five years? And we have a conversation. We usually can pray. So ask the Holy Spirit what to do, because sometimes giving doesn't help the person. Sometimes being too generous with our kids doesn't help our kids. Who thinks we can spoil kids? Who thinks there's spoiled kids in California? Go to the parking lot at the high school. You'll see some cars. There, there are some kids that are spoiled in California. 
there's a fine line between a gift and a bribe. John Ellis in our men's group had a great way of looking at this. He says it has to do with where your heart's at. You can give a big gift that gives you a big benefit with big, important people, but if your heart's in the right place, it's okay. And if you're doing it just to get ahead and you don't care about that person, your heart knows whether or not it's a bribe or a gift because the two can be very close. You see, we can't solve these things with legalism and rules. We have to solve it with the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit talking to us can tell us what we need to do in any given situation. Number four, never give out of social pressure. Social pressure is I'm going to say, well, I'm going to a, a baby shower, and if my gift doesn't look as big as somebody else's, I might be embarrassed. Who thinks there's pressure at baby showers? Social pressure. Sure there is. Never give out of social pressure. There's a church in Keister, Minnesota. Yes, there's a place called Keister, Minnesota. This is famous. They've got a bulletin board outside their church, a big bulletin board. And every year they change the names. They, lift the, they list the biggest givers of the church. It's, it's famous for that. It's kind of like Wall Drug in South Dakota. People go to see this, this board. Yeah, and people are giving there out of social pressure to go up on the ranking. Maybe I'll go up to third next year or second or first. Our treasurer is here thinking, maybe that's not a bad idea. We could generate. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Deanna. I'm sure. <laughs> Avoid spending beyond saving and tithing. We got the best financial advice of our lives with our pre-marriage counseling from Cliff Ponicus, our pastor, who married us. And Cliff said, give 10%, save 10%, and live off the 80. I cannot tell you how much that has helped us long term. It's like exercising. It doesn't get you out of the hole in two weeks. But it really, over time, builds a whole different way of being. And if we give up to our, if, if we spend up to our full income, like spend everything we've got, my grandpa used to say, yeah, money. Yeah, I've never seen people have a hard time, hard time earning it, but they never have a hard time spending it. And it's so easy to spend everything we've got and a little bit more. I'll pay it off next week. But if we can bring that back to 80%, who thinks 80% in California is still a lot of stuff? We're still living in the top 2% in the world or something like that. I mean, it's just, we're doing fine. I told you guys about my Jamaican friend, pastor. He said, when he visited us in Minnesota, he said, uh, he was on the phone and he was calling back and he said, oh, they all have cars here and they even have a little house for their car. <laughs> we have so much here. And to live off of 80% of what we're making rather than 100, we can do really well, really well on that. And that keeps us with something left over to, to give and to save. So budget on the 80%. As best you can. Invite the worship team back up. And we're going to sing and do communion. So let's kill our Hebrew monster in 2020. There's the Hebrew monster. The, wants, the monster that wants more and more and more. Because generosity brings us into a great place. Giving a gift can open doors, can broaden your world, can, can expand your life, it gives access to the face of the great of people. 
going to close here with one slide. There's lots of ways to give of yourself, too. And there's one that really came to mind for me. It's not just money and presents wrapped up. It's this. It's intercession. Intercession is praying for other people. You see a, a parent here intercessing for a child and choosing to, to intercede for people. What if there's that one person you normally give a gift to that you decide to intercede for that person for a whole year and put it on your schedule to do that? That you're going to contend in the faith for that person for a year. That's one of the most amazing things you can give, and it costs absolutely nothing, and it brings you closer to God. Think about that one person this Christmas. You don't have to tell him. You don't have to tell her. But I would put it on your calendar, like on a regular basis, to contend for that person, to pray for that person, to generate. Um, you're going to watch this person's life change over the period of a year. Let's stand. Lord, uh, we give you thanks because that's how we respond to your generosity. We don't earn anything, Lord. You put us in this lavish world with too much food and, and great people to hang out with and the incredible miracle of being a person. And we're so blessed that you gave us the gift of life and breathed that into us. And, Lord, you brought us into the world not just to forgive our sins, although you forgive sins. You brought us into the world to join you in the project of generation generate life in people around us. Wherever we go, life should be generated. Joy should be flowing. We should raise the spirits of people we enter the room to see. That's why you made us, Lord, to take part in that project because that's how you want your creation to be, a creation of generators and givers and joy and abundance. That's what this season is about, to remind us of that. We give you thanks for Jesus, who is your greatest gift. And Lord, as we take this communion, this bread, and this cup, we remember. We remember your gift for us, and we're reminded, as you plant this seed of bread and the cup in us, that it can bring back 30, 60, 100-fold and generating life for other people. So we pray, Lord, that you'd raise the RPMs on our internal generators, that we would spend this Christmas season generating for, for others. And the light of joy, the bulb, light bulb of joy is going to go on and burn bright. These darkest days of the year, shortest, shortest days, longest nights, we're going to light things up with our presence. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.